Okay, uh, we're in third, the third epistle of John. And this also is a, a very short epistle. Uh, like the previous uh, in chapter, in, in the second John epistle, uh, it is a personal, seems to be a personal letter written to an individual. Um, for a very long time, these uh, two particular epistles were in question because the church fathers um, were somewhat uh, suspect whether or not they were really written by John. And the reason for that was there was quite a few um, extant manuscripts floating around. Um, And so they had to scrutinize to see um, really if they had a true sense of the inspiration of the Bible. Um, But they were finally received into the church canon. And, of course, we do have them in our Bible. Uh, One of the outlying questions, of course, uh, was it written to churches or were they written to individuals? And as I noted this morning, um, there's two views. One says, yes, they were written to churches. The other one says, no, they were written to individuals, Uh, which is not too surprising that you would find a difference of opinion by scholars and commentators and so forth. But um, for my purposes, as um, we take application from the scriptures, um, I'm going to take it as being written to individual because it seems to fit the profile much more adequately than to say that um, it was written to a church when it doesn't mention that it was. So um, we find here that John focuses uh, again on the, on the idea of truth, but not solely. There are other aspects of this uh, short epistle that we can draw from this. Um, the four areas we're going to be looking at this afternoon, the apostle prays for chaos in soul and body, and we find that this is, a, of course, an important area to pray for because we know that our spiritual walk with God is important and that um, we must have good health. In fact, many people in prayer meetings pray for those in poor health. So we know this is not a foreign subject to, to any particular prayer meeting and certainly is one that bears a great deal of attention for our own walk of faith. Um, Many missionaries who are on the foreign field ask for prayer for their health because they cannot continue the work unless their health is uh, adequate to do do the work. John, John mentions that here in verses 1 and 2. Also, secondly, he says, Stand fast in truth, hospitality, and support for ministers of the gospel. And the idea of ministers of the gospel here is probably those doing evangelistic work. Um, even as we pray for Ed Seely, who is an evangelist, 
And of course the other two areas are quite important as well, to stand for the truth of the Word of God and to extend hospitality to brethren because we all need personal encouragement and sometimes uh, the ministry of hospitality does a great deal to encourage people. In fact, as you have people in your home, sometimes they're missionaries because you, they come to church and they need some place to stay, they need uh, someone to minister to them, and, uh, and so you open your home up and you uh, take them in and give them some hospitality as a ministry. Thirdly, he rebukes Diotrephes and his abuse of authority. Sometimes we find that in the church there is an abuse of authority. And though John is writing to Gaius, we find that uh, uh, Diotrephes stands out as one in the assembly that evidently Gaius is attending uh, that abuses the authority that he's been given. You know, I'm, I'm sure everybody's been in a church at some point where there's one person who seems to want to run the whole thing. And they're not, it's not necessarily the pastor of the church. And sometimes we, uh, we bristle against something like that. Um, but yet, we find John doesn't really say he isn't a believer. He just seems to be one who is uh, trying to assert authority that he shouldn't be asserting. And that really isn't good for the church. Uh, so he addresses that a little bit here in verses 9 and 10. And then lastly, he exhorts Caius to follow that which is good. Um, and uh, he mentions a, another man here, Demetrius. He says he has a good report of all men. It's, that's in verse 12. And so these two stand in contrast to one another. Diotrephes, who is a problem to, in the church, and Demetrius, who is someone to follow the example of. Now, if you were to choose one of those people, you see, I trust that you would be more anxious to choose Demetrius and realize that um, that is a better witness to have than to be a problem uh, in the church. So uh, this is what he, what he addresses here. So let's look at this passage uh, here. Uh, we find in the salutation something very similar to what he that is, John addressed uh, to the elder, the uh, elect lady. He says, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prospereth. Now, first of all, we, we do see that... Um, uh, Gaius was in good spiritual health. He was in good spiritual health. Uh, because uh, the way that it is worded, we get the impression that his spiritual health was good and his physical health was not so good. And so he says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper in to be in health, 
even as thy soul prospereth. So his, his spiritual life was good, but his physical life was uh, giving him some issues. And um, I don't know how all you folks are physically, but you know I can say that sometimes my physical health is not so good. <laughs> and, uh, and in fact, I had a quite a long um, stay there in the hospital because of it. But um, I'm thankfully, thankfully I'm here now, and the Lord has uh, given me my second win, so to speak, and so I'm, I'm thankful to all of you who are praying for me. Um, and uh, so you can relate to that. You can relate to the problems of physical health. And we know there are many Christians like this. Um, as much as we sometimes dominate our prayer meetings with um, Aunt Betty's big toe or Uncle Ben's um, lumbago, or, or lumbago or whatever it's called there, <laughs> uh, his back problems, and we find that uh, though these things sometimes uh, dominate prayer meetings, we know that it is only because we are concerned about the physical well-being of people. Um, and it's, it's good to pray for people, of course, and I'm sure you pray for people all the time who have some physical problems. Uh, but we shouldn't neglect their spiritual need as well. Um, the good part here is that is that John sees Gaius as not having spiritual problems, but having physical problems. But most of the time it's the other way around. People have more spiritual problems than they do physical. Or sometimes they focus on the physical and they forget all about the spiritual. And so it is necessary for us to pray for people who have physical problems, and John d prays for, for Gaius here. Um, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health. You see, uh, physical problems, he, he, he was praying for him. And we know, like the Apostle Paul had his physical problems. I'm sure John had a lot of physical problems. I mean, being isolated and exiled to the Isle of Patmos for who knows how long, um, now, I'm sure you'd, he probably developed a few physical problems. So we know everybody uh, can have those kinds of things. And uh, we should pray for them. We should pray for physical problems that people have and, uh, and pray for their spiritual life as well. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in truth. Uh, so here is uh, another mention of truth. So between the previous epistle and this one, uh, we find there is some similarity, uh, lending credibility to the writing of John, that, uh, that he is writing in a manner that, was, is, that is consistent with uh, those who would be elders or apostles of Christ and those who desire to see others come to faith or continue in faith um, and are encouraged and built up in the faith. So um, 
here is a good thing for us to remember in prayer as well. We want to pray for those who are walking in the truth and living in the truth. It's, it's kind of a supported prayer. Uh, for instance, if I were to pray for Ed Seeley, certainly I would want to pray that the Lord would give him the ability to preach and to win souls to Christ. And so that he might keep that truth which he has been received of the Lord and that he might continue faithfully to proclaim it to others. And um, of course it is uh, common for elders or deacons to keep their pastors in prayer for that very reason, that they might be able to have free course in preaching and for the proclamation of the scriptures or rightly dividing the word of God that they might continue to uh, be able to preach forcefully and effectively. I understand uh, through my reading that Charles Haddon Spurgeon had a large group of men who were in prayer in an anteroom while he himself proclaimed the gospel in preaching. Now, of course, he was a very popular preacher. He preached to many people, thousands at a time, um, and the Metropolitan Pulpit Tabernacle was, had to be, I think, renovated more than once to accommodate everybody. And at one particular juncture, he went to the Sherry Music Hall and preached, and uh, there was a, quite a, a stir uh, in the congregation. Somebody hollered fire or something of that nature, and there was a, quite a stampede, and some people lost their lives. And he, he didn't take it well, um, as you can imagine. He was greatly depressed over that. And um, depression sometimes follows those who are in ministry. Uh, sometimes it, it's, it's hard to avoid because of the pressures that pastors are under. And um, Spurgeon was depressed much in his ministry at, at, on a personal, physical level. And we know depression can affect somebody physically. Um, and so when we think of someone's physical health, Sometimes it has to do with things like that, pressures that people are under, especially pastors. So we find that uh, uh, the Apostle John here uh, prays for Gaius. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth. So there were those who had contact with uh, Gaius and they came back evidently to where John was, whether he was at Ephesus at the time, and uh, they testified that uh, he, Gaius, was, was walking in the truth, that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth, he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Now, John seems to make it personal, and so the sense that this letter uh, this epistle was personal, and that perhaps uh, he had had a lot of contact with Gaius, and uh, perhaps was instrumental in his spiritual life, and um, that he desired for him, of course, to be faithful and to continue in that truth. 
And, and so the ministry often means that we pray for those who we uh, sometimes perhaps overlook. We, we might overlook them. We might say, oh, they're doing good. So-and-so is doing good. And, um, but yet at the same time, uh, there is a great need to pray for those who are in ministry, for those who are involved in any kind of ministerial work. Sunday school teachers, Bible uh, study uh, teachers, pastors, uh, missionaries, evangelists. Uh, you know, there's a, a lot of people who are, are involved in that kind of work and they need to have prayer held up for them that they might be able to continue in that. And we should let them know as well. See, now here is a sense of commendation also going on. Um, Paul, uh, John is commendating, making a, a good statement concerning Gaius. Um, when was the last time you encouraged someone who was involved in ministry? They need encouragement, you see. This particular letter uh, came to Gaius, and I'm certain as he read it, um, he was encouraged that um, others were saying that he was faithful and that he was continuing the, in the truth. We need to support one another like this as well. Um, you might pray for somebody privately and they don't even know that you're praying for them. Or you might say, well, I'll pray for you in the ministry and that's good. Uh, but when was the last time you actually said to someone uh, or gave them a commendation in the sense you, that they need to be built up a little bit more, edified a little bit more? And that's what he seems to be doing. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. So he writes this to Gaius. Also, we find here in the second portion, he says, Stand fast in truth, hospitality, and support for ministers of the gospel. And so as we read on here in verse 5, he says, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers. Um, and so we have a sense that he is doing ministry um, to the brethren and to strangers. Um, I guess there is a passage that says to entertain the brethren that you, you may, perhaps you might even entertain an angel unaware or something like that, you know. And well, um, the idea of a stranger here, I'm, sh I'm certain, was just someone perhaps who had come into the ministry and perhaps he had an opportunity to minister to them. Or perhaps he just opened up his home to, to, to someone um, and, and ministered to them by hospitality. Um, and certainly the brethren are those that we should include in our hospitality. Now, just what kind of hospitality that takes on is kind of um, more subjective. It's more, it's more up to you, how you extend your hospitality to others. It may be in, to offer a meal, or it might be to offer some comfort, or it might be to fellowship with someone on an individual basis. It might, it might even be to extend some financial help to someone um, who needs some 
somehow for some reason or other. But hospitality can can take on different forms, and um, it's certainly something that's needed within the church to to be hospitable to one another, to be friendly, to to um, be a blessing to other people. Those things are, are very much necessary and needed. And um, of course, more often than not, uh, churches expect their pastors to do this sort of thing. And uh, I know over the years we've had opportunity to have missionaries in and and uh, to house them while they're ministering. Um, there's just been a lot of opportunities that we have had to open up our home at times. And uh, even if you had an opportunity to help with a fellowship supper or a fellowship dinner, uh, those things are very much a part of hospitality to the whole congregation or to individuals. But um, hospitality is certainly a good thing. So the idea of truth and hospitality and uh, support for ministers, he says, who have borne witness of thy love before the church, whom, if thou bring forward on their journey, after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. And so we have a sense here also that there were those uh, in the church, in the fellowship, that he was able to, in some way, um, minister to them as they continued on, forward on their journey. He says, if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort. So we get the sense that it may have been someone uh, that was um, continuing, in, perhaps in an itinerant way, to go out and to do some evangelistic work. Well, isn't that really what the first century church was doing? They were doing a lot of this. Uh, they would they would go all, all about the various areas from Judea to Samaria to all around the Mediterranean. The Apostle Paul, of course, did this very same thing of going in his missionary journeys all around trying to to minister the gospel. And we might think of Peter, and we might think of Philip, the evangelist, and and uh, different people like this who uh, were continuing in the work of the ministry and uh, that that is a very important part of of re outreach to outreach in the in the gospel of Christ um, uh, I know that Millie Williams though she was involved in that ministry of dare to care but and she was she was always uh, asking me uh, for little gospel tracts or little um, cards with a, a gospel message on it or a verse of scripture. She always, she always asked me for those because she wanted to include them in the little packages that she took around to people and trying to witness to them. It wasn't enough for her just to give out a little care package. She wanted to give them a little track as well, and so I, I printed off, I printed off a number of them for her, and she took them and and distributed them along with um, the work that she did. 
And then sometimes the ladies would get together and they would make up special cards, um, either at Valentine's or Christmas, and they would uh, send them over to the nursing home. And um, they, they either would take them themselves or they would send them over to have them distributed to the people at the nursing home. Now, this, this is a different kind of outreach, but it's outreach. We don't want to limit ourselves just to a quote-unquote evangelist who calls themselves as such and say, well, okay, they did it, so I'm all set. You see, there's other ways you can do things and you can be just as much involved in the support of going out. And um, it's, it appears that John was wanted to encourage Gaius in this. We have borne witness of thy love, of thy love, Gaius' love, before the church, whom, if thou bring forward on their journey, you, you continue to, to help these people on their journey, mm -hmm. he says, after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Thou shalt do well. So the truth and hospitality and the support of the gospel, all these things are, are needed and are necessary and are to be commended. Uh, it's, it's difficult to find people who have a burden for some of these areas, you see. But when you do find somebody who has a burden for an area like that, don't neglect them. Make sure if they need something, get it to them. Because uh, they're doing something that they're burdened to do, and you can be a helper as they journey on their way. You know, as they are involved in carrying out ministry, you can you can be a helper to them, and we should we shouldn't forget to do that. Also, um, the next verse in verse seven, because for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. Now you see these same people were going out, and they didn't take any particular support of anybody. Uh, now, whether the word Gentiles here means the heathens that they were ministering to, or no, not, I'm not sure. Uh, Gaius is believed to be a Gentile himself. Uh, so, uh, but the, the important part is, I suppose, that as people are burdened to go out and to do ministry, they don't expect to receive anything. I, th I don't know, I, I'm kind of saddened by the fact that pastors sometimes, it appears they have lost that. They've lost it. I know when I first went into the ministry, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't know what to expect as a young pastor going into the ministry. And I took a small rural church, and, and um, I think uh, I didn't ask for any particular remuneration for going there and for, to pastoring, but they gave me $35 a week. Well, it didn't seem like much, you know, when you, you have a young family. But um, the church was so loving and so supportive that they gave over and above all that we needed a place to stay and they were forever giving us food and supplies and and meeting our needs and you know it's it, it just wasn't necessary to say we need this much because as you 
as you did the work, you found that it was already provided. And I think that's important, you know. Some, some pastors, I know several years ago when, <clears throat> when um, the Center Riffingham Church was looking for a pastor after Mark Grover had uh, passed away, um, they got a number of different calls as they were reaching out to different pastors. But always the first question related to it was, well, how much do you have in the bank, and how big a congregation is it? That was the two criteria that they wanted to somehow confirm. Now, to me, that's rather sad, isn't it? That's rather sad. Um, and uh, But sometimes, you know, that's that's where people are, and... But that doesn't seem to be where where John was or Gaius, and and um, John wanted to just continue to encourage Gaius in the in the direction he had been heading. Um, he says, um, "Who have borne witness of thy love, of thy love? Remember, this is the love for the brethren. This is the love which is." In which says, I want to keep the commandment of God to love one another and to love thy neighbor as, my, as myself. It um, says, before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. He says, continue that practice. That is a good work. That is a good thing to do. Which we can say, we should do the same. We should do the same. In verse, um, verse 7, because for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. In verse 8, we therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. So this next verse also supports the same thing that we're saying. Um, we need to be fellow helpers to the truth. That we might be fellow helpers to the truth. And uh, see, uh, this takes us back to the uh, whole idea of, of the proclamation of the truth, doesn't it? There's little enough people to go out and to do the work of evangelism or ministry. Um, the words of Jesus himself, the fields are white unto harvest, but the laborers are few. And look at our country today. Certainly, there is a great field uh, to go out and to minister in, to try to win people to Christ. I know it is difficult um, because, you know, you feel like you're sowing among the tares all the time. Uh, yet we have to remember that the good seed of the Word of God will take root in the good soil wherever we happen to might be sowing. We don't always know where the good soil is. We only know that that is where the good seed of the word of God takes root. And so let us not um, give up in that area, but to continue to sow the seed. And uh, perhaps the most difficult ground that we sow in is, um, you know, our own families. It's difficult to keep witnessing to our own families because they already know what we're going to say. <laughs> so we have to find new ways to do that and to sow the seed um, in a way that God will 
will use it um, without us, uh, you know, in some way hampering the very work we desire to accomplish. So much prayer and a good witness and a good testimony to stand for the truth, to be a good, hospitable person in ministry, and to realize that ministering the gospel can take on various forms as long as we are faithful to the truth and faithful in our labors, as John was faithful in his labors, his labors of love. Um, And so we need to remember God can take the efforts and the labor of love which we have and he can use it, he can sow that in the hearts of individuals. And you might be saying, well, I want them to confess Christ immediately. But you see, that isn't always the way it goes, isn't it? One waters and um, one plants the seed, another waters, and God gives the increase. We have to remember the biblical uh, idea of casting your seed and allowing God to do the work. Uh, and John is encouraging Gaius in this very thing. Uh, God's work is supported by his own people. Uh, and so we must support the work that God gives us to do. Uh, continue in that. Verse, verse 8, we therefore ought to remember such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. Uh, thirdly, he rebukes the atrophies and his abuse of authority. Uh, he says, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth is to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Um, John wanted to be able to minister to the church there where Gaius was, was going, where he was involved. But there was this Diotrephes. I don't know, you you probably could put a name to someone that you might be aware of, either in the past or someone you have met, and they have been like this. And it's difficult, of course, um, because they stand against those who want to have a good influence in the church. I read a book a number of years ago called Well-Intentioned Dragons. And it was, um, it was really a, a book uh, for pastors in a way because it was uh, telling different stories about how pastors have been affected by one individual in the church who was well-intentioned, but because of their either authority or their preeminence in some way, uh, they became the very catalyst for either splitting the church or driving the pastor out. And uh, so the book was entitled Well-Intentioned Dragons. And uh, uh, when, you, when I started to read it, you know, I could see that because it, being involved in the ministry, you, you run across those things occasionally people who seem to be ministering in a church and everything seems to be going along well as far as you can tell on the outside 
but then all of a sudden something comes up and one individual will sometimes be the catalyst for other people to start to complain or to murmur or to to uh, bring some accusation and some seemingly small thing turns into a big thing and before you know it uh, it has it destroys the work well-intentioned dragons um, and many they profess Christ many of these people profess Christ and and perhaps Diotrephes, you know, in his efforts, you know, he thought he was doing what he ought to be doing. But in reality, the witness against him was quite the opposite. Uh, he was standing against ministry that John wanted to do in the church. Um, and... Uh, and it's, it's too bad sometimes this happens. He says, Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, pranting against us with malicious words, and not content with that, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. He wants to excommunicate brethren out of the church. You know, he's, he's really a pestilent fellow. One of these who just wants to run the, the whole thing. And, um, and John says, uh, he says, if I come, I will remember his deeds. Um, and, um, you know, he was going to rebuke him in person for what he is doing. He needs to, uh, sometimes these people do need to be confronted. Um, but of course that can be a difficulty too, right? Um, Sometimes the best revival was the back door revival, you know, where somebody will leave by the back door and the problem goes with them. Um, but of course, that takes a lot of a lot of prayer that one might know what to say, when to say, and to somehow diffuse a situation. But Diotrephes definitely was one of these people, and um, and John was. Um, was not happy with this situation. Verse 11, Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Well, here again, um, the witness of an individual is important. And if a person only has the witness of being a troublemaker, uh, perhaps that person really is not doing the work of God at all. And Diotrephes, though he doesn't come right out and say, um, he does say that he is a, a pestilent fellow. He's, he's causing a lot of problems. But he encourages Gaius saying, follow that which is good. It's more important to follow that which is good. Now this may give us another little slant on the whole issue. You know, maybe the person who wants to stand up and have some authority and, and uh, have his own way, if that person would only consider that doing good was much more powerful than doing evil, can, I'm sure you can see the outcome would be much better. Um, and so it might, uh, by application we might say, well, 
I should try to endeavor to do good always, even in a bad situation. Well, say a, a bad situation comes up and you don't know what to do. You'd like to say something. You'd like to rebuke somebody. You'd like to... Um, but perhaps the right thing to do is do something good ra rather than to do something that we think we should do ourselves. It's kind of like, you know, the Lord never tells us to do evil. He always tells us to do good. So we might ask the question, does it... The, is it ever right for us then to be uh, that person who says something to irritate others and to condemn others and to somehow forcefully make a preeminence in the church? Is it ever right for us to do that? Wouldn't it be better if we didn't do that? If we tried to do good rather than evil? Well, doesn't the Lord say concerning our enemies that we should do good to our enemies because it's like heaping coals of fire on the head? In other words, the effect of doing good somehow is, is better to solve a problem than to stand up and to make a big issue out of something. And Dr. Fee seemed to be one of those people he wanted to make a big issue. He had to have it his way, and his way was the only way. <clears throat> now, having been in churches before, I can say that I've seen those situations, and they're not pleasant. And uh, um, so my advice is avoid them. Do that which is good. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Not that anybody has seen God, but the point is that do they even know God in faith? Uh, we see, what is faith? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen? So we see God by faith. Now, if somebody is being the big issue, the big problem, there seems to be something wrong with their faith, you see. Okay, um, and the last one here, as he follows that which is good, verse 12, Demetrius hath good report of all men and of the truth itself, yea, and we also bear witness and we know that our witness is true. So we have Diotrephes and we have Demetrius. And so, which one do we want to emulate, you see? Well, Demetrius, he has a good report of all men. Now see, this is, this is far better, isn't it? Far better. It's kind of like James where he says um, we ought to... Um, Remember that the tongue can issue like a great fire. It can, it can set on fire the course of nature, in, in a sense, you know. So sometimes, you know, not saying something and doing something good, you see, is far better and more effective. And Demetrius, he has this good report. 
this good report. Diotrephes, he's he wants the preeminence. He's he's bossy. He's authoritative. He 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 doesn't like people. He tells them to get out. He all of this stuff, you know. But Demetrius, he has a good report of all men and of the truth itself. He holds the truth in love and toward God. Yea, and we also bear witness, and ye know that our witness is true. So John says, we have heard this, and then. We know it to be true. We know it to be true. Well, uh, that brings us to the end of the of the chapter here. Uh, verse 13, these closing remarks. I had many things to write, but I will not write, I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. But I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee, our friends greet thee. Greet the friends by name. Greet the friends personally. He wanted to be known to them personally. He says, uh, tell them I'm praying for them. You know, I, I want them to know that I love them in the Lord. Now see, these are the good things. The good things. Truth is the good thing. Hospitality is the good thing. Supporting those who are involved in ministry is the good thing. Doing that which is good and being a good witness, to have a good report and to greet others and to let them know you, you care for them. So you know, this, 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 this much can be gleaned from a little epistle like this to help us in our in our Christian walk of faith as well. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we thank you that we can look to you, Lord, realizing that there are better things that we can do as you have laid them out to us. And it means that we are to follow that which is good rather than that which is evil. And that we are to stand for the truth. That we are to love one another. We're to love the brethren. We're to be hospitable. And we are to care for the needs of those in ministry. And Lord, we thank you that your grace and mercies are poured out to us. You are the best example to us, Lord, of all these things. And I pray that we will seek to bring those things more into our walk of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.